Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Eating Crow with Pete Durand. Hey everyone, welcome to another fantastic episode of the Eating Crow podcast. I have a carnivore of sorts on the show today, Chris Granger. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one way to put it, right? (laughs) (laughs) So you'll understand what I mean by that in a minute, but Chris has a a mission in a podcast that uh, we're going to talk about quite a bit. It's it's remarkable, and I think Chris's story and and his purpose in life are are something we're all going to benefit from. So we actually met each other through another contact, Jared Greer, who we're both big fans of. Uh, and Jared said, you guys need to meet. And I think the first time we talked, yeah, we agreed. That's right. <laughs> well, help the listeners understand where are you from? Kind of talk about your your upbringing and how you ended up uh, where you are in North Carolina. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm from Virginia, a um, little town called Clarksville, right across the line. So a few, few miles from the North Carolina. So I, you know, basically, I grew up coming to North Carolina. We, when, when we wanted to go to the, to the city, we go to Raleigh or Durham. So, uh, that's, that's where we were, but, uh, very rural area, uh, went to school with Old Dominion in Norfolk engineering background. Yes. I mean, went to work for electrical equipment company as a co-op student actually at ODU. So it was kind of cool. I was able to, when I was a senior, I did, I did a couple of semesters with eco. And as a senior at ODU, I called up the guy who was, who I did my co-ops with. And I was like, look, bro, I'm getting ready to graduate, but I need to start looking for a job. And I think the next day I had a job offer. So this is my senior year, February, I got the job offer. So everybody's freaking out about, you know, graduating. And I'm sitting here like, I'm good. You know, my, I had a start date that was two weeks after uh, my graduation date. It was, it was kind of cool. Been with Eco ever since, bunch of different roles. Uh, ran a uh, op- operations department at eco where we did motor repair and services and things like that learned a lot about managing people and uh, just working together and communication all the important things of business and actually had to shut that division down so i had a lot of emotion with that and having to look at 30 people that that are your brothers and sisters and tell them they don't have a job anymore and i mandated that i would be the one to tell them you know just trying to to really just live out servant leadership and then that kind of led me to the role i'm that i'm at now at eco and had a crazy idea to start a podcast at the company and got looked at like I had like two or three eyes and like, like, what do you, we need to start a podcast. I'm like, I'm telling you, bro, like we're going we're gonna to be able to serve people and our markets and our customers and nobody else is doing it. Don't you guys want to get out in front and lead? Uh, Cause I like leading. And they were like, well, can you pull it off? I'm like, well, just let me try. So two years later, almost 200 episodes, CEOs from CEOs down to technicians. I mean, we've talked to them all ideas. We call them ideas and heroes and so many stories, connections, and the way we've been able to uh, just build our brand, a little distributor. Well, I wouldn't say little, but I mean, it's Southeast from, from an electrical standpoint, 11 locations. And we got, you know, 17, 18,000 followers on LinkedIn. And there are people that are regularly engaging with us. And, you know, we have the big, the big boys and they're just like, who are these guys? <laughs> you know, and, how are they doing this show? So uh, that's just been a blessing. And and that kind of led me to starting the lion within us. And I learned that skill set. And God was putting some things in my heart about trying to serve a different different audience. And uh, so I started that. And that launched in, in January of this year. And 
you know, I've had, had Jared on my show, you know, he, he was on your show, had him on and just, uh, it's just been a blessing to try to serve people and really focusing on Christian men and trying to help them in their growth and in, in their walk. And the crazy part is I'm a three-time girl dad. So why am I serving Christian men? Like, I don't know. God has a sense of humor, right? I mean, that's all I can tell you other than the fact that I'll have three son-in-laws prayerfully one day and maybe, maybe I got to start pre- you know, helping those guys grow right now. So, uh, yeah, it's that high level kind of where from ODU to, to today. So Chris, there's a couple of things I want to drill into at least right initially in your career at, at, at EECO. First of all, you described, you know, having to let that division go, right? A large group of people, Something you said in there struck me, and that's the ownership you took, right? I'm going to do this. This is difficult. These are my friends. These are my family, and I'm going to have to make these tough decisions. That ownership is one thing we'll talk about throughout the entire episode, I think, today. Okay. The other thing that's really interesting is when you decided to do this podcast for Eco, that was in January of 2020, where B2B podcasts were not common, first of all. And you got out and ahead of COVID, right? So everybody and their mother started a podcast later that year. Right, right but you were out in front of it. So what triggered you? Were you an avid podcast listener? What triggered you to do this? Well, I mean, a lot of it started with, with that division that, our, uh, that I was running. We had a branch in Augusta, Georgia, one in Richmond and one in Raleigh. So I was doing a lot of traveling between the three because I, I, I oversaw them. So I just started listening to podcasts and you know, I got tired of listening to the radio. It's just like, all right, I got to hear something else, right? Got turned on to Gary V. So, and there's actually a, a curse-free Gary V for, for, for the brothers out there that want to know. I, I downloaded that and started listening. And I think after about the 40th time of Gary V saying, if you're not starting a podcast now, you're an idiot. I was like, okay, I got it. So I saw that as an opportunity. And really, you know, I, I took it. I wrote a business plan behind it, who we were trying to serve. The type, you know, I, I outlined, I think, looking back those notes, it's funny, you know, 20 topics that I thought we should talk about. And, you know, I asked for a meeting with the executives and you know, a couple of them gave me a meeting and, you know, really sit down and, and just laid out how we would go about doing this, you know, the little capital, not much that but you got to have some things, the right mics and things like that and what they could expect. And that was like in October, November of 2019. Uh, got the approval, got the stuff in, recorded our first episode in February in our lab because I, I envisioned like we're going to be doing this in our lab. I'll have a cool background. And the next week, COVID happened. So I was like, you know what? Let's just pack this thing up and take it home. So I did. I brought it to the house, made a home studio, and we never missed a beat, Pete. I mean, it was awesome. And and all, we, we, were, we were out in front. Good for you. And, and for people that don't understand some of the numbers behind podcasts in general, it's rare for a podcast to get past 15 or 20 episodes. I think 50 to 70% of them or something like that don't get past that number. So to have 200 episodes is, is really commendable. And, you know, I think um, maybe share with the folks listening here, when you, when you do 200 episodes in a particular vertical and it's automation and industrial manufacturing and equipment, how do you vary the topics and the guests to keep people coming back? That's the trick. And that's where the magic happens, right? So and for me, all I can tell you is the network. And, you know, when I work with people, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm pretty engaged there. And I'm paying attention to what people are responding to. And and I'll reach out and, and if it's if, if I'm curious about it, then the likelihood other others are curious about it too. So I'll find those experts. I'll just and I have no shame. Like 
I'll just go to people. I, hey, you look like an expert on this. Would you mind? And I tell you what, that has worked so many times. I just, you know, approach them very humbly. And then also when I work with people, ask for those referrals. And just like you do in business, you know, when, when, when I was a business development manager, it's all about relationships and the referrals, the same thing with podcasting and those topics, you know, a lot of them cross over each other and, you know, you see what resonates well with your audience and then you try to pivot and adjust and go from there. Yeah, no question about it. And eventually your guest list starts to build on its own. Right. You know, you, like you said, networking, referrals, and identifying. When you get to 200 episodes, people know about what you're, you're doing. And when you reach out to a high-level executive at, you know, let's just say a large manufacturer and ask them to be on the show, number one, when they check it out, there's a lot of credibility because there's 200 episodes. Right. Number two, they can see their peers have been on the platform. And quite frankly, we all have egos. Yep. So being a guest in a podcast, pretty cool thing. Yeah, you can stroke it, right? I mean- we had the president of Rockwell Automation. She came on and I told our CEO, he was like, huh? I'm like, yeah, I had her on, uh, you know, and the, the senior VP at, at Eaton, she's coming on and like, they're trying to figure out how we connect. It's just because, you know, just being humble, serving and asking. And, you know, there's, there's an opportunity, there's a platform and there's a little vanity to that too. You know, they get to share their story. So, uh, you know, it's just been pretty cool. So, you know, let's fast forward. You, you've got 200 episodes under your belt. You're feeling this calling you described earlier in the episode about uh, there's something else I need to be doing. God's calling me for a, another message, another platform. You've already got one podcast and a full-time job. Yeah. You're probably wrestling with, what do you want me to do, right? I've got three daughters. I'm a busy guy. How can I do this? So describe the, the initial kind of instinct and calling that said, hey, there's something else here for you. Yeah. I mean, I think the initial, I had to go back even further to 2018. You know, initially I went through pretty bad divorce, but ended up being a, a full-time dad girl. I have two, I had a five-year-old and a three-year-old. They were with me 80% of the time. So that was a big adjustment, just figuring out life and how to, you know, I took the dad uh, hair classes because, you know, I wanted to make sure I did it right. Right. And I'm telling you this because it, it kind of maybe help your listeners understand some of the lumps that I had to take to get to just being able to be comfortable and leaning into stuff that makes you uncomfortable. And that's what I've really gotten good at is since, since the divorce, I haven't had a lot of comfort in my life and I've just gotten used to it. And I just, uh, so, I, but I've, I've learned to, to lean into contentment and being happy with where God's got me and the opportunities that he puts in front of me. And then just, just leaning into that and, and knowing that I don't have to understand at all. I can figure it out. It's okay to tell someone that I'm not sure. Can you help me? And, and ask for that help. So I had to ask for a lot of help going through that divorce. And then that led me to my, to my bride now, uh, the love of my life, Rebecca. And, and so we got married and we wanted to have kids. So we got pregnant. We had a, a miscarriage. It was pretty early on, about eight or nine weeks. And that was a pretty big blow for, for both of us. And then we got pregnant again. So it, it was good. We were happy. We were expecting a due. Our due date was May, is, was May in, in May of 2020. And we were pumped up, ready to go. And the week that she was due, our baby was stillborn. You know, my wife just remembered that story of she went that night because we, our other girls were upstairs sleeping. She went to the hospital. She said she didn't feel our baby moving and uh, get the phone call from her that, you know, you need to come here. You know, this is what's happened. And uh, coming home, uh, after all that process and, and having to share that with our, with our daughters of, you know, the, the car seat's empty. Right. And so that was a time of, you know, she, we lost her a week after that. We lost our dog. Uh, 
And then two weeks after that, my wife lost her job. So it was just a Job moment. Like, what else, Lord? Like, what else are you going to throw at us? And, and, but we just pulled together. She and I, our daughters, we pulled together. It was 2020. And you know, the world was shut down. Family couldn't, you know, couldn't get together with people. So it was, it was an isolating moment. And, and God just laid on my heart. He was like, you need to serve others. And, and, and you were listening, I was listening to a lot of Dave Ramsey and he's like, try financial coaching. He's like, lean into that. So I did, I, I took Dave Ramsey's course and started doing financial coaching, started and started really serving people that way. And that was really awesome. I enjoy, I liked the coaching and, and trying to be able to help people, you know, understand their finances, but I like the, the biblical tie to it too. And I just think God kept leaning on me saying, there's more, there's more, there's more. And I found more and more to the people I was coaching, they were men and they were struggling with uh, their spirituality as well. A lot of their finance problems were, 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 we ended up talking more about life than we did finances. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take what I learned at Eco Ask Why, start a podcast to serve Christian men to a more of a coaching type model. Yeah, we'll talk about finances, but we're also going to talk about things like health and your, and I call them health, wealth, and self, you know, the mind and body, uh, career and finances and, and husbands and dads. So it, it opened up topics that we could just talk about together as Christian men and, and help us grow. And that is the lion within us. And, uh, just been, it's been a blessing. So we do, like I said, three episodes a week, you know, a spiritual kickoff to give some scripture. And then we, we dig deep into a topic and then we have a little bit of fun on Friday. So it's just been, uh, it's been a blessing and that's kind of led us to, to where we're at. And since I, I, I forgot to want to, I don't want to leave that story on all the bad stuff. We had a baby, uh, last August. So we have a new blessing now. So, you know, she, she's joined us. And, uh, so I guess my wife thinks I'm crazy because we had a baby and a few months later, I'm like, I want to start this other business. She's just like, all right, just, let's just go for it. Why not? You know? Well, Chris, you know, I, I, I can see why you and Jared relate on a lot of levels. I mean, I really can. Girl dads, uh, the loss of a, a stillborn child is is something that any parent listening to this just can't relate to. Right, right, right. You can imagine it, but you can't relate to it. What I'm amazed is is all the things you had going on in your life at this period of time, right? Coming out of a divorce, finding your new soulmate, balancing that with your your daughters, right? And, and bringing someone else into their, their life. There's so much there to try to get your arms around. You hit on an interesting point. All this happens during the isolation of, of COVID, right? There, you can't be surrounded by family and friends in those critical moments. So you have to look inward to each other, which God puts people in your lives for very specific reasons at specific times. You may not know it at the time. I know for me, my wife uh, has risen in those occasions, you know, those times where I wasn't my best self and she somehow was, right? And there are two or three moments in our life I looked at her, I'm like, holy cow, like, you're superwoman. Seriously, like, how are you doing this right now? And and it's a time where I, normally she would struggle and somehow she found a way to rise. And when you think about what you and your wife went through, and first of all, very sorry. Second of all, congratulations on your new daughter. That's wonderful, right? Again, it's, it's a blessing. So you talked about these lumps you were taking. Again, I would, Job life stuff, right? It is Job stuff. What do you want from me? What am I supposed to be doing with all this? And you were your heart and your spirit were open to his calling to say, Chris, there's you need to serve, which is a lot to ask somebody who's had so much taken away from them. So how did you first process that that calling to say, All right, I, I feel the call to serve, but 
How did you get from the financial stuff to the actual name of, of, the, of the business, which is the line within? Kind of drilling more into the line within. What does that mean? So the, the financial was, we called it FMG because that was our daughter's initials. And so that was the easy one to come up with. We called it FMG Financial Hope. And then when I started telling Becca about, you know, I really think serving Christian men is where we need to go and what God's called me to do. And it was a, a notepad and we're brainstorming. Uh, we, first of all, we start off with who are we serving? We wrote his name down and she gave him a name. His name is Brady. And we wrote a story. And this is, this is Brady's story. And, and I mean, I literally have, it's a paragraph and a half of who, who we're serving. And then, okay, what's going to resonate with, with Brady? And what is, and we're trying to tap into, there's so much talk about the Lamb of God in so many churches, which is great. I mean, it's, but there's not a lot on the line of Judah. And people forget Jesus is not, you know, just a fairy that walks around and he's kissing you on your nose and, you know, just patting you on your back. And he, and he's also not your boyfriend. You know, Jesus is, is God. I mean, he is strong. He is righteous. And he has a lot of that symbolism to the lion that it's in scripture. So it was like, you know what? We have the lion too. And the lion is within us. So it's like, you know what? Let's see if that URL is taken. And it was like, well, the lion within is not taken. And guess what? You can do this dot us and you're there. I'm like, boom, we got it. Touchdown. So we were like, all right, the line within us. And, uh, she, I give her all the credit to helping me come up with that, that lion idea. And, you know, from there, it's just pulling in my, my buddy, Adam, and who helps me on a lot of the marketing side. And we made these, you know, cool design and graphics and website. And cause we want something that speaks to men, you know, and it's, that speaks to Brady directly and that he would resonate with him and he'd feel cool about, you know, joining and listening to, and then we, just took the lessons learned from eco ask why and just lean into that so far as the process, how all that works. And then just God, I'm going to tell you what though, Pete, like the guests and the types of, I've never had like, so like people reach out publishers. My office is full of books now from Christian authors who want to come on the show. Like for eco ask why it was a lot of me reaching out, doing that cross pollination, that networking, I haven't had to do that much for, for the line within us. It's almost like God's just so like, here you go. Are you ready, big boy? So I'm just like, okay, God. So it's, it's been a blessing. It's been unbelievable. Uh, the types of men that we're able to to sit down with and the stories and the, the, the way that the, the stuff that they're sharing is, it's been incredible. Well, I think that's a credit to you and your wife. I, I do a lot of mentoring and coaching for entrepreneurs as they're starting businesses or even those starting a podcast, et cetera. And by the way, I have to tell people to, uh, to practice what I don't because <laughs> I didn't right. sit down and write a persona for the Eating Crow podcast. I, I had put a video up. People liked it. They said, I'd, I'd love to talk about you know moments where I've, I've had to turn my life around. But I, the fact that you actually wrote a persona, right? And this is, for those marketers listening to this, that's the hardest thing to do is sit down. Who are we targeting? Why does this resonate? And you did something other people struggle with is you got really niche. You got very specific. Christian men. And I think that's why you have people reaching out to you because you know who your audience is and your messaging reflects that. So, so many brilliant things. Then you had the ability to fall back on the tactical things you learned in your previous podcast, right? How to structure it, how to get it off the ground. So you kind of hit the ground running there. When you think about the guests you've had so far in the program for the line within us, what is the most common thing you hear Christian men struggling with? Isolation. That's been a big one lately. 
And I mean, I've had several guests come on and, you know, of course, Jared, he's been on the show and had a gentleman from, uh, undaunted life he came on and he and we talked about the whole idea of building a foxhole he calls it a foxhole i call it a lion's den whatever you call it your brothers your people that you can that are going to be that iron that sharpens the iron so many guys don't have that we judge ourselves by the the number of likes or the number of, of, of follows and things like that all these vanity metrics on social media and social media has absolutely crushed you know men there's so many areas that were weak and and i'm trying to to help guys realize, you know, those, those things don't matter, guys. What matters is your, your relationship with your wife. You know, how do you show up with your kids, you know, at work, you know, are you bringing the best version of you at both? Would you be found guilty of being a Christian, you know, or is you just found guilty of being a Christian on Sunday? If you can't be found guilty, if you get, if you're sitting in front of the judge on Thursday afternoon, like we are right now recording this, if he was a pop in right now and I can't, you know, say that you can see the fruit around me, that I'm leaning into Christ, then I'm lying, you know, and, and that so many areas that, that I hear with our guests talking about that that's resonating with people from, you know, leadership topics, but it's isolation is, is what so many guys are struggling because they're trying to do it on their own without reaching out for help or they're internalizing. And then they, they turn to these vices and there's so many bad vices out there that we hear people talking, you hear about them too. And well, there's drugs, alcohol, porn, addictions, whatever it is. There's so many ways that guys are turning and they don't have to do that. There, there are better alternatives. Well, I think a subtitle for isolation would be accountability. Sure. Right. So when you're isolated, there's no one holding you accountable, including yourself. Right. And, and I think the toughest thing for men and Christian men specifically to do is to have someone call them out. And I know one of the guests you've got coming up in your program I've had on mine has had call outs. And I'm blessed. I have not only brothers and, and a father, but also 10 incredibly strong male role model friends who I know would call me out, right? Not only for not being a good Christian male, but if I was ever mistreating my, my spouse or my kids or, or to your point, just showing up on Sundays and faking it, they would call you out. So when you have those folks on the show and they're struggling with isolation, what's the first thing you suggest to them to get around that? First thing to get around isolation first is you have to recognize it. I think you got to recognize, you know, that, that it's happening, lean into it. And I see, I find so many guys, my wife, she's my best friend. They try to hide that from their wife. First of all, that's just the wrong approach. God gave us that biblical model of marriage for a reason. You know, two should become one. And I tell you what, if you lean into that and you actually listen and don't try to control your wife. And I feel like I just had a guest and he had, he was talking about this of, so many guys want to control their wife and you got to give that up because your, your partner's in this, you know, and, and if you give that up, I can just tell you, I've learned so much just by listening to Becca and she, she can tell my, my cues and when I'm amped up, she, she knows the ways to get me back on track. But that's where I always tell people, I'm like, you recognize the triggers, you know, what are your, you know, really? Cause I mean, cause COVID man, like I used to go to the office a lot. I don't know if you did, but since COVID, like, I don't go at all. I mean, very rarely. I mean, maybe once every couple of weeks for a meeting. And it's usually just for a meeting and then I'm back out. And if you've had that shift in your work dynamic and you're not taking intentional steps to like, you know, get outside for one and be around people or just take your dog for a walk or go somewhere. 
I've worked into my routine where I'm stopping at a store to get a coffee every morning just so I can talk to say hi to the cashier, right? I mean, just to have some human, human to human interaction. You don't recognize some of those things and to actually act, you're doing yourself a disjustice. And at some point, it will fester up to a boiling point and it's got to go somewhere. And it usually goes in anger or addiction or areas that they shouldn't be. And that's, that's not going to be fruitful for your marriage or your, or your kids. And, you know, all that stuff has a cost. I mean, that you look at the average cost of divorce and all that, and you start multiplying that math, it gets big quick. So, you know, I just say understanding, you know, those isolation, those triggers. Most people that end up controlled by a vice or an addiction or something put themselves in a situation where they were weak and had no control. So one of those first things is to make sure you don't put yourself in situations where that becomes attractive. You can add infidelity in there, whatever you might be, right? So simple practices, you know, when I used to travel a lot for business, I never went to the bar in the hotel. If I had a business dinner, I had the dinner, I went home and went to bed. If I didn't have a dinner, I had room service or I ate in a cafe and then went back to my room. It wasn't even almost a deliberate thing. It was like, I just don't need that, right? I, and I, I've recognized, I've seen friends and associates who struggle with that. Other ways to, you know, just to control those urges and callings. And I think I've always had this philosophy, I share this with my kids. You have to fill up your heart and your soul with good things because if you don't, bad things will get in. Right. So garbage in. I, TV was a big thing. My kids laughed and rolled their eyes. Would you watch this if Jesus was sitting next to you? That was my was kind of my litmus test. Would you watch this if he was sitting next to you? And if the answer is no, ask yourself why. Right. I love it. Because when you let dark stuff in, people don't realize that's how evil creeps into your soul and bad things happen. So that conscious effort, like you said, you have to be aware of it and you got to make decisions to fill your heart and mind. That doesn't mean you can't absorb a bad, bad news or bad things don't happen. But it's things you choose. This is the key. The things you choose to put into your mind, your body, and soul, you've got to be very thoughtful with. You do. And I mean, it's and the darkness is everywhere. I mean, and I love your example that you gave when you traveled. I had a guest that came on, and he's a pastor in, in, in uh, Connecticut, I believe. And he was talking about hedges. And he, he was like, you know, I build these hedges of protection around me. He's like, because they can ruin my testimony. He's like, so say I go out of town, because he actually has another job, a secular job, too. He's like, so if I travel for work and I go out for, to dinner with a female colleague, he's like, it could be completely innocent, but that has an opportunity to ruin his testimony, just that act. So building those hedges and not putting yourself in those situations, that's, it's brilliant. And then I love what you said too, about what you allow in your home and what you, and, and I love that you, you challenge your kids. I do the same thing with my kids. I don't feel like oh, I'm no lone ranger now, but it's, it's everywhere. And like, you can't trust any of it. Like, even Disney Plus, I'm this close to canceling that. And I've, I've canceled so many shows that, that I don't let them watch because you have to be intentional, dads out there listening. Actually watch some of this stuff and make sure, depending on my kids are 11, 9, and 6 months. So I have a pretty big gap, but you need to understand what they're consuming. And does it align with your values? And if it doesn't, then you have to draw a line and say, you know what? We're, we're called to be their dads, not their friends. You know, Not right now. Well... You're right. And and by the way, it's your responsibility to have them avoid those situations of temptation. And here's an example. Parents, if you're out there listening and if your child has a computer or a TV in their room, take it out or don't ever let it happen. We made that decision early, no screens in their rooms. And now when they got to high school or went off to college and they're doing homework and things like that, we've given them the foundation where they can process that on their own. There's a couple of reasons why this is important. I'll give you two examples, and I'll be curious to hear your thoughts here, Chris. Number one, 
you're right. You can't control what they ingest. You can't control what they're watching because they're no longer with you. Number two, there are so many people, and I can understand their initial thought, that turn that screen into a babysitter. Yep. Right? They're just occupied enough to deal with it. But you lose so much engagement with your children if you allow that to happen. We had our computer for homework was in our, our kitchen, and our TV was in our, in our family room. So we knew what they were watching, and we knew what they were doing at all times in front of a screen. I do have a friend who was on my show and gave a great analogy here, and I give him a lot of credit. His kids were both struggling with something, and his daughter hadn't come out of her room in a while. And he said, that's a red flag for me. He put down, He stopped working. He was working at home, stopped working, went up and opened the door and said, hey, would you like to go outside and play? I stopped right there. I, stopped. I said, first of all, two things important there. One, you recognize the problem. A lot of parents don't even, they, five hours go by, they don't realize their kid was watching TV for five hours. Number two, you got off your butt and engaged your child, right? So um, great, great lessons there, Chris, really good. Um, and I mean, I, we're the same way. You know, we have one TV, living room, everybody gets to hear what it's on, so you don't get to sneak anything. There's no devices. The big thing for us too is, you know, first of all, we don't, our girls don't have phones yet and we're we're just, yeah, we're weird. We're weird like that. And we're just not going to do it. And we've made that decision. And our sixth grader, she gets frustrated and I tell her, so I have to have this talk usually about once a week about how, you know, I'm just, I'm the leader, but this is why I'm trying to help. I'm trying to protect you. You know, and I, we actually, we pray together on going to school in the mornings and every day they hear their dad literally say, I pray a hedge protection around you. And then I tell them what I'm protecting them from because it's out there, man. I mean, it is so far out there. And the big and one thing that we do, family dinner, like that's a staple. We don't miss it. We sit at the table. We have dinner every day. It's not an event. We don't have to put it on the calendar. It's just done. And we have so many good engagements. And my wife, bless her heart, she's just like, let's start. And when we sit down for family dinner now, everybody lists one good thing that happened for the day. And what does that do? That just opens up conversation. So when you say that one thing, there's going to be questions around that one thing. And, you know, maybe for, for today, for instance, mine will be having a podcast with Pete. And they're going to be like, well, who's Pete? And what did Pete do? And where does Pete live? And all this stuff. So it's just going to create this conversation. But it's, it's actually teaching our girls how to have a conversation, for one, that's not involving looking down with your thumbs and being able to look people in their eyes and engage. And I mean, it's just, that's a lost art, man. And it's so, it's, it's easy one-on-one stuff. So Chris, how old are your daughters again? 11 and nine. Okay. So you're entering in those, those critical years coming up, right? My wife will listen to this podcast because the, one of the biggest parenting tips we give everyone and she's responsible for is family dinner. We always had, and a couple of things we, we played like Sinatra, Tony Bennett, that classical music from five o'clock through dinner every night. So our kids, when they hear that music, they can think of smells. They can, they know all the songs. It's tasteful. So it's just a triggered memory. But you said some really important things. And as your daughters get into their teenage years, this is why what you're doing now is so important. By the way, full disclosure, my kids are 28, 25, and 20. So I'm well past this. But when they got to be teenagers, and our kids were heavy in sports, so there was practices going on five nights a week at different times. We always made sure if we could sit together, we did. If one kid had late practice, one adult sat with them. One of the parents sat with them when they got home and had dinner with them. But all three kids were different, all communicated very differently. And my wife's radar, woman's intuition, is so good. 
she could identify if one of them was a little quiet a couple nights in a row, something was going on. At one night, one of them would just share everything, right? I'm just going to tell you everything. You just had a great day and you just kind of let them run, right? That's the, you, you just look as a parent, aren't those joyful, Chris, when you watch just pure joy come out of your kid? That's right. Just get out the way and just listen. That's right. Yeah. You're just like, that's so great. And if one's being kind of quiet, my wife would say that night, if you're going to bed, hey, I think, you know, so-and-so, there's something going on there. And sure enough, because they felt comfortable communicating at the table, they were much more willing to open up with us privately and say, here's what's going on at school or with my friends or whatever it is. So you're setting that foundation so importantly, Chris, that when they get into those teenage years and phones are, are available, our kids weren't allowed to have a phone until they got to high school. Same thing. And we caught flack for it. But believe me, they were fine. <laughs> they were okay. They respected it and were prepared for it. So what a great tidbit that you offered there for, by the way, for Christian fathers, Chris just gave you a lesson for how to engage with your children and your spouse, that very simple lesson of family dinner. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen that. You're right. Most recently, our 11-year-old, she's reaching that point where it's kind of, I'm letting go of that childish stuff and I'm getting ready to lean into this teenager stuff. And she's trying to figure it all out. And I mean, she's my oldest. She, you know, you know how it is with the oldest. There's always that there's just a, there's a special place in the heart. And, but she's been able to, because we're, we have such an open communication in the house, she'll come to me or she'll come to my wife and that's, that's her stepmother, but she'll still go to her and be like, I need to talk. And I know instantly when she tells me that, that it's something bothering her, but whatever I'm doing does not matter. Like that, at that point it stops because priority has got to go to her because she's coming. She's being vulnerable. You have to accept that. You have to understand, you have to lean in. And then I've also learned as a dad, don't try to always fix it. So particularly with girls, you just need to listen, be there. And then if they ask you, maybe, but you know, it, the biggest thing I'm trying to do as a dad is just, just hear them out, you know, and be there for them. It's so hard for us to, <laughs> you want to solve the problem. So another good thing for anybody in, in, you know, as an adult listening to this, you're setting your kids up to not be isolated, right? Because they're comfortable asking for help. They're, co- they're comfortable seeking guidance, whether it's from you or a friend or a peer. I had uh, two brothers who were, we were all a year apart from each other. And, you know, we consciously made a decision to bring my youngest brother down from his room to the basement where my other brother and I had our room. So the three of us were there. And once a week, usually after 11 o'clock at night, one of the three of us would say, hey, you guys mind if I just talk, just share something was going on. And just knowing that there was someone there to listen to you that could understand, even if they fell asleep halfway through the conversation, you got it off your chest. And they and the next morning they understood what you were going through and maybe they gave you a little more slack. So back to the original point of recognizing that you're isolated, trying to figure out a way to solve that. So let's talk tactically about how you would do that as a as a Christian man. Who are the people, let's say, that you would recommend in their life? Do you ask them those questions? Tell me about who's around you, what your friends are like. Do you help them reach out and and find someone that would be receptive to that? Because they probably have someone they don't even know is receptive if they don't ask. Right. You, you mean for your kids? Well, for, for the Christian men listening to your program, right? If they're coming to you and, and, and engaging in the line within us and listening to your content and they say, hey, Chris, you know, I, I, you're right. I do feel isolated. What do I do? They've admitted it. So then, then how do you how do you help them get past that? Well, I mean, f- some of it is the coaching. You know, I try to really lean in and help guys with that one-on-one coaching. So I do one-on-one coaching. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to do more of that. 
you know, and, but if it's not with me, maybe I don't resonate with that, with that individual directly. That's cool. I'm pretty big on finding a prayer partner, you know, and, and really being intentional about that. I think men should pray together. Uh, I think there's nothing weird about that. Uh, so you need to find somebody that you can actually share your heart with that that's going to be able to listen and, and, and pray with you on a, on a, I, I, I make it a minute, a weekly basis. Uh, my prayer partner, he and I get together. It's a phone call once a week, 30 minutes, but it's, it helps. It's impactful. It's something I look forward to. He looks forward to it and we hold each other accountable. If we miss a couple of weeks, we'll yank each other's chain and get right back on it. So the prayer partner, and I think, you know, another thing I coach is, is trying to find a, a spiritual mentor, someone that's a little bit further along than you in your journey. We're not all at the same place. You know, uh, my wife is so much further ahead of me. She grew up in the church. Her dad was a pastor. Her biblical knowledge way past where I'm at. That's cool though. I'm still the spiritual leader of the house, but I know I can go to her for wisdom. And I think it's important for if you're, if you're guys out there, you know, go to your church or, or get plugged into a church. First of all, I mean, that's step one is you do need to be around, you know, like-minded people and God's people too, that from a, a, a pastor who's teaching God's word, uh, but find those spiritual mentors, you know, the prayer partners, the spiritual mentors, and then the groups, the, the I call them the lion's dens of, of guys. It sounds like you got 10 of them that, are going to speak truth to you and they're, they're not going to give you the fluff and they can cut you straight to the heart. When they, they can call your BS when you're giving them BS. You need guys like that. And, and I think you can find you know, a mix of those three of, of, of really good groups, spiritual mentors there. I think that's, that's a big area that could help, help every guy as they grow and, and, and beat this isolation. Oh, it's great advice, right? You give them three examples of people they should reach out to. And, and I think guys realize they probably have at least a couple of those people in their life right now. Most of the time it's there. You just got to ask for it, you know? So they're, they're going through coaching, whether it's you or, or some of the else they've, they've been able to identify with this prayer partner, um, the group, the den you talked about beyond isolation. When you start getting into, let's say someone doesn't necessarily feel isolated, but certainly isn't walking the path they're meant to walk. What are the other struggles? Is it the lack of focus on being, you mentioned being a spiritual leader to your family. I think I see a lot of guys that forget that that is a big part of their, their job, right? I mean, they, you can't expect your kids to do what you don't do, right? And those are difficult discussions about making sure that your marriage and your, your family are centered on faith. How do you help them break down those barriers? And what are there specific verses or specific courses that you have that pull them into that and have them take ownership? Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, first of all, I tell them that there's more, more is uh, caught than taught. So, I mean, your kids are going to watch. They're going to pay attention to a lot more to what you say than what you try to teach them, right? And so I think that's the biggest thing. Like your walk has to be reflective of what you expect them to mirror. You know, you go all around cussing and saying, you know, four-letter words. Guess what? Your kids are going to walk around cussing and saying four-letter words. We don't use that language in our house. And our kids, they do they hear it? Yeah, because they're in the world. They're going to hear it. It's just not part of, who, of, of their language. So you have to walk it out. And I think from a spiritual leadership standpoint, I see so many guys, you know, present company included, didn't feel for me, I didn't feel adequate or, or smart enough to even be able to be a spiritual leader. What does that even freaking mean? Right. And then when you start throwing things out there, like leading family Bible study, like that was crippling. Like I'd rather go talk in front of a group of a thousand people when I hate public speaking than, than do a family Bible study. Right. Cause you, what if, what if my six-year-old ask a question? I don't know how to answer it. Well, you know, guys let that cripple them and they don't even start. 
you know, like, so they, they won't even do that stuff. So for the line within us, one thing that I did was I, I wrote a Bible study. I sat down and I wrote from Brady's standpoint, remember I go, I, everything serves Brady. A Bible study, it's seven, it's a seven part Bible study. It goes across, you could do it across seven weeks, however you want to do it. And it walks through health, wealth, and self, all those areas. And then the last one is around spiritual leadership. And it gives some ideas on different topics on, you know, what do you consume one-on-one time with your kids? You know, how do you build great, how should, what does grace look like with your wife and all these different topics? And it gives them uh, scripture. I'm not having you read, you know, Genesis to Deuteronomy. I'm just giving you a little pieces of scripture that, that are help that are helpful, some ideas and some questions. And so that Bible study is where, where I'm leaning with people on and trying to coach, you know, work them through that. And I've, yeah, you know, just it's been pretty awesome just to see the because the Bible study is relatively new. The few times that I've worked with guys on this, the questions that come up and the way they start thinking and the way they start evaluating what they need their their habits and their daily interactions with their wife and things just get better when you start being intentional about Scripture and bringing it into your life and bringing it to life in your family. You know that's the prayer I have and, and try to point people to is. Find resources, and maybe it's not mine. Fine, go find something that you that does resonate with you, and lean into it, and try some of this stuff. And and you know what? I mean, we are called to be the leaders of our families as as Christian men. The family structure that God laid out, we're at the head. I mean, Christ is at the very top, but then it comes us. That's a big responsibility, and see too many guys shine away from it. And man, I don't know scripture. I don't know the Bible. I don't know this. How can I do that? Well, you're right. You know, if you keep thinking that way, you're never going to get there. But if you lean into it, ask for a little help and just do a little bit of research, you know what? You just be amazed what God's going to open up. So for us, family Bible study, we do that once a week. We have a resource we've used, but I've actually drifted here lately to where family Bible study is either Sunday school stuff that we're talking about or just scripture that I'm reading. And uh, I just find it's just like one night the family was just off, Pete. Like everybody was off. I said, everybody go get the Bible. And I, I had a pretty loud voice. I said, everybody got their Bible. We sat down. I said, open up to John. And I said, Chloe, start reading. So she read chapter one. I said, Ava, pick up. So she read chapter two. I said, Becca, read chapter three. So they get to me and, and I'm reading chapter four. And my oldest daughter, she's like, when are we going to stop? I said, when I feel better. So we got through about six chapters of John. <laughs> and, I was, and then I could feel it. And, you know, the, the, the tension eased up in the house. The kids were asking questions. And three, four or five years ago, would I have done that? Out of no way. But, I mean, it's just funny. When you bring out the word and you make it part of, of your family structure, the wonderful things that can happen. Wow, that's powerful. Just like you said. By the way, I know a lot of people that wouldn't have done that. But I don't know anybody that had they done it, not experienced what you experienced. The word brought them calm. My brother bought me a Bible, I think, when I was 29, 30 years old and gave it to me and said, you know, read this. And I'm an engineer. So what did I do? I opened up page one. I started at Genesis and then I read the whole thing. And it took a long time, right? And then I read it again. And then I got smart and said, you know what? You're, you're getting lost in numbers and Deuteronomy. You go way down. To, so I started to ask some folks about, you know, where should I start to read in the Bible to resonate? And so my question to you is if you were talking with a a Christian man who felt isolated, was struggling as a father and as a husband and had some demons he had to conquer, where would you suggest they start 
what's that first chapter, first verse to read in the Bible to get them to to maybe have a wake up? Probably different for everybody, but your gut, what would you what would it be? I mainly go to John. Uh, for me, it's an easy book to read. There's so much truth. I listen to Unashamed podcast, and that's that's the Robertson group out of you know the, the Doug Dynasty guys, and Jace. That's his book. I think he said he reads it every week. He works through John. That this is personal reading. So in the beginning was the Word, Word was with God, and Word was God. And either John or the other three Gospels. And the Gospels, just for you guys, I don't assume anything. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are the four Gospels. Start there, you know, because that's that's the words. That's what Jesus gave us Himself. So I start there. I just think. You know, I point people directly to the to the Gospels. You know, out the gate, particularly for earlier Christians, I think it's easier to read. Plus, they they want to get to to some of those cool stories. There's so many of those cool, you know, Jesus stories uh, in those Gospels. And personally, I just think you can take John if you if you if you ever lost John in Romans it would be a sad statement. If we have John in the Book of Romans, we'll be okay. Yeah, I agree. I for me, the book that really resonates for me tremendously is Acts of the Apostles. To me, as a husband and a father, and if I'm trying to identify the line within myself, the Acts of the Apostles, you want to see the line within some people. The mission that those folks had, and it was against everything that society was teaching. And they went out and said, this has all been wrong. I read those and I, I wanted to jump, you know, I wanted to run through a wall. I, want, I mean, I got so pumped up and inspired by the Acts of the Apostles. So you're right. I start with John, get through the four Gospels, and then if you really want to take it those learnings and be inspired, read Acts, right? It's just great stories, powerful. And if if you question whether you could take the move you did, which is, all right, folks, go grab your Bible, sit on the table. <laughs> that's right. That's what God's calling us to do. That's what that's what the lion within us means is it's not easy, right? You're going to have to change some things. You're going to have to be, and you said very, you have to get uncomfortable. And I don't want you guys out there listening thinking that, you know, Chris has got it all together. First of all, I'm the chief center. I've, I screw up more than probably all you guys listen, but that's okay. I know who saved me and I, I have his grace. And do I get it wrong? Every day. Every day I get it wrong. But I'm also pretty open and vulnerable with my kids and with my wife. They are used to hearing their dad say, I'm sorry. And I think there's so many kids out there who don't know what those words mean, much less know how to say them. I mean, I saw a kid in a 10-year-old basketball league punching another kid in the stomach as they were shaking hands after the game. And it was almost like the kid was being celebrated by their parents. And I'm just like, what is going on? Like, that is so the world we're in. So you have to take that responsibility, guys, and, and lean into that. Say you're sorry. Let them be, see that vulnerable side because, you know, they're going to emulate the way you act. And if they see you treat your wife, you know, bad as a girl dad, I'm very intentional on how I treat Becca in front of my girls because, first of all, she – I should honor her and you're supposed to love her like Christ loved the church. But I want them to have an expectation of what their future husbands should be treating them like. And when, when that guy doesn't do that, uh, they're going to turn around and walk away. Cause not, uh, uh-uh, that's not what my daddy does. So here's how it should be. And there's just too much of where these girls, particularly these young girls, they don't have that. And we got to show them that if we show them that that's how we're going to raise up that next generation of these strong women that are, that are, that are out there are going to be leading and, and raising these kids and being partners to, to strong Christian men. So it's, it's all a circle, but I think you, you got to be intentional with all this stuff. What a great way to close out the show, Chris. I think the key points there are, you have to take action. It's going to be uncomfortable, but to stop the cycle that you might be on or that you're propagating, you've got to think about what your children see 
and how you act and how you behave. And that that's deliberate, right? And you have to be vulnerable. You have to say your story. The other thing that's important is if you say your story, your kids have to see you consciously trying not to do that particular behavior again. You can't just use sorry as an excuse and say, I said, I'm sorry, because it loses value. As a father of, I'm about to be a grandfather, so my, my daughter, when she got married, I'm very blessed that her husband treats her the way I would expect her to be treated. His parents demonstrated that as well. And uh, you're so right. If they don't see true love, they don't know what to expect, and it will just have incredible consequences. It will. So we could talk for two more hours, and I'm a follower of the program. I think your message is spot on. It's important for people to seek help from people who can relate to them, right? The story you shared at the beginning, you are speaking from experience. And as you mentioned, all of us struggle. We, we make mistakes every day, but it's the fact that you get up and try harder the next day is important. It is. Now, don't have it all figured out, Pete, but I've, been, I've had a lot, of, uh, a lot of lumps, a lot of bruises, but, uh, you know, if, it's, if there's something I can share with others and help, help them in their walk, that's what I'm called to do. Awesome. God bless. Appreciate it again, Chris. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Pete. It's been an honor to come on. Great. Thanks for checking out Eating Crow. Like and subscribe so you never miss a video. 